Capital of the world. It's the TC Martin Show. A freshman has won it for the Wolverines. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. TC Martin. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Doctor is now in. And it is a Friday. The March Madness round number one continues. TC Martin in the house here at the world famous Superbook inside the Westgate Las Vegas. Great to be back here after day one yesterday. Day number two, we are underway. And I am joined by my tag team partner, our handicapper extraordinaire, Marco D'Angelo. Donning some uh, NCAA gear. That's what I love about you, Marco. You're like me. You, you'll, you'll, you'll don whoever you got action on today. And uh, so just to kind of paint the picture, Marco's got his hometown blue and gold on, the Pitt Panthers. How's that working out for you? So far, okay. A good first half for Pitt. They came out uh, like gangbusters. I think they opened the game 10-1, to 1, got uh, to seven, down to 7 at halftime. But uh, let's see if we can keep it rolling well you're not going to see anything rolling in Pitt, iowa state it's going to be a paint dry game okay so let's just keep it where it's at <laughs> low scoring affair no question about it and that uh, early second half we sit here so we'll give you updates throughout uh, the day we'll preview all of the action coming up uh, still on the board later this afternoon and tonight uh, always fun when we're doing the march madness shows uh, no matter the location uh, and this is great here at our traditionally our Friday home here at the Sportsbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. Jam-packed crowd, uh, just following up right where we were yesterday. Had a great uh, lineup yesterday. We'll have another great lineup today. Uh, Jay Cornegay will join us, the vice president of Sportsbook Operations here at the world-famous Superbook. And uh, the coach, Long Kruger, will join us. Of course, the former UNLV head coach, Florida, Illinois, K-State, and most recently Oklahoma and Lon really enjoying retirement, but uh, gives us a chance to visit with him a lot more now that he's uh, retired. So I always appreciate Lon coming on the show, especially during basketball season, especially during March Madness. So he will join us a little bit later on uh, this hour. We'll get his thoughts. And uh, so in honor of Lon, and uh, because I actually really like the, the play as well too, I'm sporting my K-State shirt today. All right. There you go. That's one I never thought I would see in. I know. It, this is one that's been tucked away in the closet. and But, again, I really like him today against Montana State. All right. All right. Can, not, can, can you sign off on that? I'm not involved in that one tonight. <laughs> uh, so uh, I can I can root for you. Uh, I can do that. You know, I always want you to cash a ticket. Yeah. I unless agree. we're opposite. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of oh, which. Geez. Oh, Now, we got to, Numchuck, make sure that you have the the scoreboard in place there back at the studio when Marco comes in on Monday because, you know, I can't lose track of this stuff. So, please, it it does say under the scoreboard, under the TC Marco food bets, TC3, Marco nil. So, remind me that it's three because I don't want to get a short change of any free food. Trust me, if there's anybody in this town of Vegas that's not going to get shortchanged on a free meal, it's going to be you, my friend, okay? (laughs) I just want to make sure that I don't lose count here, you know, because I actually had to think about that the other day. And I was talking to our good friend Jay Schrader. He goes, don't forget that Super Bowl bet, too. He goes, okay, that's three. Thank you very much. So uh, Jay's just been busy, you know, legitimately busy. You are just, you know, you got all these free meals all over town. And I'm like, you know, you're trying to squeeze me in to to pay my debts. You know, it's it's a tough life. It's tough being you. But we go back to the studio on Monday for that Nevada ASU game. And again, I'm just talking about the game. And I'm just, you know, just... Not only given my feelings, but just the facts that Nevada does not belong in this tournament. And then Marco is just like, he's like waving his hand and he's like whispering at me, right? And I'm going, what, what? You know, and then I'm sorry, well, write it down, whatever. And then he like pulls away from the mic and goes, food bet. And I'm going, fine, okay, you talked me into it. You want to yeah. talk about that game? Yeah, nah, that game was ugly. And, and what do I do? I'm sitting, you know, I'm already, you know, 
not happy with the the way that game went. And I'm sitting home with the missus, you know, uh, watching the games, preparing for the next day, and I I get this text. Thanks for twisting my arm. <laughs> for the food bet. Where do you get that voice, though? I yeah. mean, that, you, you got that voice in that text? Well, you know, I do that. Whenever somebody sends me a text, and, and if I read it to, you know, to Lori of what somebody says, I got to, you know, add to it. I hope Lori's not listening right now, because I told you the story right before we come on here. You know I'm a poker player, and yeah. you got to have a great poker face. And I had a great poker face all night last night at the Knights game. I, I bet Calgary and uh, put it out for my clients, and the wife's a big uh, Vegas Knight fan, and she's sitting there not happy with the outcome of that game, and I never let her know that I had Calgary in that game last night, 7-2 to Calgary. She's got to understand the business that you're in there. Yeah. I mean, the business yeah. in your there to make money. We There are, and I, I've had the economics lesson, the, the seats that she has behind the net, yeah. uh, you know, about 12 rows up, you know, those are not from the Golden Knights. They didn't pay for them. Now me, you know, betting on or against right. them at the right yeah. times, you know, that is a different she's, story. Listen, she's benefited. I know the real deal. She's benefited from, um, from your wins, okay? okay. I mean, she's, uh, uh, you know, cooking in that brand new kitchen that you paid for, <laughs> all right? And then uh, the dinners that you're going to, uh, posting just as many, if not more food pictures than me. So, yeah, she's, she's got to realize that. Yeah. I just, don't, I just don't think that you have, you know, uh, how do we want to say, the cojones to <laughs> tell your own wife, hey, this is who we got tonight, and, like, you're going to get backlash? I mean, come on. She's not a sports fan at all. And, you know, so I... You need but, the family behind you, man. You you do. But she got behind the Golden Knights because she's a Las Vegas native and never never had a pro team. First time I took her back to Pittsburgh, she couldn't believe all, you know, the terrible towels in people's, you know, houses. Wait, and did you, you say she never had a pro team? Oh, protein. Oh, I thought you meant protein. <laughs> I was going to say, what's going on there, Mark? Are you not delivering? <laughs> I mean, you know, like getting steaks. And yeah, 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 yeah. No, well, yeah. No. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, so she really, uh, you know, latched on to, you know, Vegas. You know, we got the Raiders, but she says that's like, you know, she looks at the Raiders and she says that's like inheriting somebody else's kids. You know, right. the Knights were born here. And I even got her a Vegas-born uh, jersey, customized uh, Golden Knight one, and, you know, and I... When she got it, I put, and I won't say the number out on the air because I won't give her age away, but I got the number of the year she was born. So she's got a Vegas born on the back of her hockey jersey with the number of the year she was born. So I thought that was kind of cool for her. Very nice. I am. I'm I'm a sweetheart. Really. Every woman's dream. There you go. Just like, you know. Just, There's a fine line between dream and nightmare. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, I can imagine those nights. Like, you're looking at your phone. You're looking yeah. at the scoreboard. You're yeah. watching a game. Okay. Yeah, you're just a gem to live with. I, I, I bet. There you go. But he is one of our fine handicappers. Uh, no question about it. Marco D'Angelo, Scott Sprites, appreciate it. Uh, guys uh, joining me all the time and then uh, well I'm at the final four you and Scott are going to be holding down the fort right here in our our studio, our booth here at the Westgate. So, looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm going to have to talk to my agent, you know, because <laughs> I held the fort down while you were at the World Series, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same city, too, isn't that? Yeah, weird? yeah. It's crazy. That's Connections. Good. Yeah. yeah. I like barbecue. I like baseball. You need you need to take the show on the road. Uh, that'd be nice. Yeah. But you want to go on the road. That's your saying. I don't know if you, know if you can get permission, though. <laughs> oh, I can get permission. I know. I'm just teasing, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, great being at the Westgate. Like I said, Jay Cornegay will join us. We'll get his thoughts uh, regarding the first round games and uh, where the action is uh, later on tonight. So hang tight with that. We've got some great games going right now. So you're going to have to forgive us if we get a little carry away. Like yesterday uh, when we saw the uh, the, the buzzer beaters, uh, you know, everything that went down yesterday, that, that Charleston game against San Diego State, that was crazy. Um, yeah, we're, we're getting some good video footage as well here. Yeah, the, the three-pointer that, you know, the meaningless three-pointer, there's yep. no such thing as a meaningless three-pointer in the world. In, in the Alabama betting, game, yeah. you had that. That was, that was while we were on the air yesterday. Yeah. So right now, UConn and Iona, uh, they're in a good one, uh, as is uh, Creighton and NC State as well, too. So, uh, wow. All right, we continue on here uh, on this uh, Friday edition. And, again, just a great weekend uh, on tap here. So as we uh, down to 48 teams after tonight, we'll be down to 32. 
and then a slice it down to 16 after Saturday and Sunday session. So uh, we'll talk all March Madness coming your way uh, today. I guess we should mention that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo actually made it to town <laughs> and uh, just concluded his press conference. I wasn't able to go today, uh, you know, obviously being down here with our March Madness taking uh, really precedent. But uh, Jimmy Garoppolo introduced it, introduced to the uh, Las Vegas media today, and uh, they had to postpone the session uh, from yesterday, and uh, got it today. So there you have it. You've got uh, Jimmy Garoppolo officially a Raider today. Don't know why they had to delay him coming in, yeah. thinking about passing a physical. We've seen this happen before, mm-hmm. uh, not only with NFL teams, but other teams as well. Uh, so there you go. We, we saw that, obviously, with Carlos Correa, <laughs> you know, holding up his deal with, you know, when he thought he was a giant, thought he was a Met, and oh, no, back to Minnesota. So anyway, Jimmy Garoppolo officially a Raider. It is. You think it would have been better to have the press conference on Monday when they would have been the center of attention, not not St. Patrick's Day in Las Vegas on final on the opening week of March Madness. That's I mean, a great wanna, point, yeah. You want to get your bang for your buck. You know, if you want to create interest for the Raiders and so forth, bring him in on Monday. Monday is an absolute dead day, you know, after the, the opening week of the uh, March Madness. I I just shake my head sometimes, but you know that's me. I'm always the marketer looking <laughs> to get the most out of everything. Right. All right. Uh, so uh, that would have been a a great idea. You know, to <laughs> hold on, mind just just wait it out here. But uh, so and I, and I think Raider fans. I was talking to a lot of Raider fans over the last couple of days here that you're going to be fine with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is a winner, and. He is a better option for the Raiders than Derek Carr. You've had nine years of Derek Carr, saw what he could do, which really wasn't much. At least Garoppolo is used to playoffs. He's he's come from a you know a great system those years in New England and then going to San Francisco and appearing in a Super Bowl, nearly won a Super Bowl as a quarterback. Yes, he's been injured, but again, you know, give the guy a shot. He's your best available option. Yeah, a lot of people are trying to make the comparison saying that it's a lateral move and it's not a lateral move as far as what Jimmy Garoppolo how far he's gotten in the playoffs and playoff experience and got to the Super Bowl and basically was just a couple plays away from the Super Bowl and you know to say to make that kind of comparison now my only concern with it is Jimmy Garoppolo came from a team that was a complete team on both sides of the football with a strong running game. The Raiders have a a good running game, but the offensive line is not as good as San Francisco's, and then you can't even begin to compare the you know the defensive side of the ball. So what I'm getting at is Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be playing going downhill. He's going to be playing some of these games going uphill where they're trying to compensate for the you know being behind because the defense has given up points. A lot of quarterbacks, it's easier to play with a lead. It's easier to hand the football off when you got a lead and play play action. But when they know you're going to throw, that's what separates the quarterbacks. And if you can still deliver the same way. And again, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, in New England and San Francisco, both uh, fantastic defenses, teams that you knew that were going to be in the postseason. Now, let's be honest, this is still a rebuilding project for the Raiders. So it's going to be a different situation. Why did he come to Las Vegas? Simple, that to be reunited with uh, Josh McDaniel. Not that you know he needed McDaniel or McDaniel, McDaniel needed Garoppolo, but it's just that I think that comfort factor where you know Garoppolo, he was rumored to possibly go to the Jets or maybe there was Carolina. There are other teams like it, and this just makes it an easier transition. This way, he can stay on the West Coast, uh, you know, play, you know, go back into the AFC and play with the uh, with the Raiders here in Las Vegas un- in a system that he's very familiar with. He doesn't have to learn a new system, so that makes a lot of sense. And we said it from the very very beginning. It made sense either that. It's Garoppolo, or you just continue to groom Jared Stidham. That makes the most sense uh, for the Raiders. And for people thinking that, okay, the Raiders should draft a quarterback at number seven, for, no, you shouldn't. Uh, don't even think about that. And don't even think about any of these Hammonade quarterbacks that are in this draft. You've got your quarterback, and Garoppolo could very easily play for another three or four years. He could. So I don't want to hear this, well, okay, maybe one year, and then you draft a quarterback. No, none of these quarterbacks, aside 
potentially, in my opinion, and Bryce Young are going to be worth a dart. Mm -hmm. Bryce Young, yes. C.J. Stroud, no guarantee. But after that, are you kidding me? Will Levis, Kentucky, Anthony Richardson? And for Raider fans to be throwing up the names of Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, that means you just you didn't watch any college football. Because if you watch these guys in college, there is nothing impressive about them at all. Will Levis, uh, of, of the... The ham and eggers that you would have put him in that category. I think he's got some upside. He had some injury problems this year uh, that hampered him, you know, for a few of those games. But when he was healthy, you know, Kentucky at the beginning of the season was good. And, you know, he didn't hurt himself at the pro combine. So, you know, the stock went up on him a little bit. But is there a franchise quarterback? In this draft, and I'm going to say it, including Bryce Young, I don't think there's a franchise quarterback in this draft. So, you know, I think the Raiders got to address the big problem. And the big problem is you need to fix the defense because you're in a division that's got Patrick Mahomes and it's got, you know, Justin, you know, Herbert. You've you got to be able to stop these offenses or at least contain them so that you can match points with them and the Denver Broncos will be better you would think with Sean Payton there yeah and a second year with Russell Wilson there as well oh and by the way who's their backup quarterback now Jared Stidham I mean I this goes to show you that Stidham said you know hey I feel that I should be the starting quarterback of this team and I'm not well I'm out of here. So, so much for that loyalty, you know, the you know McDaniel's and Ziegler and that sort of thing. I mean, he came here basically again for them. The same reason why Garoppolo is coming here uh, for them. But if Garoppolo can stay healthy, he okay. will be fine. Okay, totally for, fine. But if I'm Jared, there's no question his feelings are hurt, and you haven't done anything to earn right. your feelings being hurt. I'm sorry. He's not you a played quarterback. Two, you played two games right. at the end of the season yeah. when it meant nothing. Um, you know, the classic. You know, I think of the you know the peanuts. Uh, you know, cartoon. You know, take their ball and go home. I mean, right. I don't know what he's thinking about. And if you really put your thinking cap on and what's the best for you. I'm in a system that this guy wanted me to come here because I already knew the system as a backup. And I'm backing up a quarterback that has not played an entire season in his career, right? right. Has Jimmy Garoppolo gone an entire season the whole way through? No. Okay? No. So why would you not stay here? Yeah. That's I mean, that's my take. But everybody wants to be the man but I never thought that, you know, even in college, that he was the man. And the thing about it is the Raiders need a capable backup because this backup, it's not like you're backing up an Aaron Rodgers or a Brett Favre or, you know, a Peyton Manning. I mean, these guys, or Tom Brady. You know, those guys are going to be on the field. They stay healthy. For Jimmy Garoppolo, with that history and considering, you know, the current state of the Raiders' offensive line, you need a quality backup a serviceable, more than serviceable backup, and, and a guy that, you know, you figure that, okay, he, he he's going to have to play at some point in time. He's going to have to play at some point in time. So Stidham was your guy, knows the system. These two guys should have been, you know, fine. A 1-1-A one one situation. And if Garoppolo, you know, is healthy and, say, gets off to a rough start, okay, then you've got Stidham who filled in for Carr, and then you continue to build with him. So, yeah, questionable moves by the Raiders. Yeah, and I, the timing, I feel bad for uh, Darren Waller getting traded. I know it's a business, but you, you talk about, you know, you know, you just get married, and your you know your your wife is here in Vegas. What a, what a cute couple they were with the Aces and yeah. the Raiders, and you know now it's going to be a long distance relationship. But you know that that is the deal. I mean, that's you know when, and I'm sure I haven't talked to, to KP Kelsey Plum, uh, you know, since she got married. But it, one of the questions that I will ask her when I when, next time I see her or have her on is that okay? Did you guys? talk about this. I mean, yeah. you're both professional athletes. I mean, you know how it is. I mean, Plum had to relocate from San Antonio to Las here. Vegas. Stay with the same organization, yeah. but you know, again, she was drafted by you know the, the San Antonio Stars, which became the Las Vegas Aces. So you just knew that, and especially with Darren Waller, that, okay, he's probably not going to spend his entire career, yeah. you know, with the Raiders. So, um, again, it's just one of these things, well, that's the business. As professional athletes, when you, you know, marry and you're both in your prime, which is very rare, you yeah. know, to, to see someone in their, again, you know, mid-20s, late-20s that are, that are getting married like that. That's 
it's a little strange. But uh, hey, wish them the best. But as far as Darren Waller goes, uh, this is another a product, uh, you said business decision, of just a new coach, a new general manager coming. Hey, we didn't draft you. We didn't acquire you via free agency. Um, And he's played 20 games in two seasons. I understand that. And for some reason, they said all the right things you know last year that i want to get him back he's he's great but i think deep down inside they felt like he probably could have played and hamstrings are tough you know that's a that's a tough injury you know to come back from you don't want to come back prematurely especially for a wide receiver yeah wide receiver tight end end. yeah exactly anybody like that uh you know with the start and stop and you know that position so um you would think that again darren waller in my opinion he's one of the top five tight ends in the NFL when healthy so to me that says he's just not our guy let's get our own guy in you know like I said it to you uh, I think Monday when we were in studio uh, you know Josh McDaniels is all the moves that they've made and decisions they made it's you know you got maybe the pass this year but you know if they don't take a step in the right direction next year there's gonna be a lot of heat on Josh McDaniels. He's painted himself into a corner right. with the decisions that they've made. All right. All right. All right. Uh, and we know, I don't think Mark Davis is going to have a, a lot of patience with that situation as well, too. And I know the, he wasn't going to make the move. And he said early on, you know, despite the Raiders having a bad season last year, they wasn't going to make a coaching move. But now you're going to have another full draft. Uh, you're going to have a quarterback that's familiar with your system. Now you're on the hot seat this year. Let's see what happens with that. All right, TC Bar, Marco D'Angelo inside the world-famous Superbook here. Uh, March Madness opening round Friday. Uh, I've got some uh, great games uh, going on, and you're in that, that session right now where you only have a couple games really happening, and then the, the next, the late afternoon session gets underway here, 3.50, those 4.30 games. Then we have the later sessions that begin, uh, you know, uh, at 6 and 7 o'clock tonight. But... Uh, uh, Great, great uh, atmosphere here. And really, kind of your first go around here, uh, Marco. What are, you, what are your thoughts about uh, the Westgate the, uh, Superbook here on a March Madness opening round? Um, I was here last year watching the opening round uh, at the Westgate. And it's, we say it all the time, guys. There's certain things you got to do, put on your bucket list. One of them, we always say, come to Vegas for Super Bowl weekend. It's a great time. The other one is this week, opening week of March Madness, that Thursday, Friday, when it's nonstop. And the beauty of being in Vegas is we start at 9 a.m., you know, and the games go to midnight on the East Coast. It, it's great. And I love this time of the year. You get so many tourists in town, and we're here with all of the, the basketball. And I told you where I'll be later tonight. You know, I'll be out, you know, cruising the poker tables because it's St. Patrick's Day. People like, I, I heard, I can't confirm this, but people like uh, adult cocktails on St. Patrick's Day, that they consume a few a few of them, and uh, sometimes it lowers their IQ at the gaming tables, and I, you know, I, if they're going to lose their money to somebody, it might as well be to me. I heard the same story when the rodeo was in town. <laughs> True story here, folks, all right? Marco D'Angelo is an actor. He gets dressed up during the rodeo time, and he puts on the 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 Bill Cartwright, Jay Schrader cowboy hat and boots, and acts act like he's from, like, Texas. Yeah, Texas or backwards uh, Oklahoma. And he's going to take these hillbillies' money. And that's what he's doing. He's going to, he's dressing the part. I mean, do you even go as far when you go to the poker table and, and try to, you know, uh, corral these guys like, you know, Worm did and, and, and Rounders? <laughs> do, you go to, do you go to the level of uh, putting on the accents? Like, hey, how you doing there, Tex? <laughs> Where are you from? No, I can't pull off an accent. Oh, I just, you know, geez. I'll just put on my dumb face. You sound like you're from <laughs> Pittsburgh. <laughs> I got the Yinzer uh, accent from Pittsburgh. Come on. I can't bury that and go cowboy. I can go the look. I can pull the look off. In break, I'll have to try to find a picture because I know you've... I've painted the picture for you, but I got I got to actually bring it up for you. All right. Uh, sad day today for the UNLV Lady Rebels. And we talked to Lindy LaRock. She was on the show yesterday while we were here. Uh, talked to her while she was in Baton Rouge, uh, getting ready for the uh, the matchup 
their opening round matchup against Michigan. It was a 6-11 matchup. Uh, the Wolverines, the sixth seed. The Lady Rebels, the 11th seed. And uh, the Rebels found, uh, fell behind early in this one and ended up losing 71-59. to 89 days between Lady Rebels' losses. They end the season 31-3, a program record for number of victories, a fantastic season, and love always visiting with Lindy LaRock. And it's just too bad that uh, they're, they're going home when... And she felt, and I agree, that, you know, a, an opponent that they... I want to say they should have beat, but they could have beaten. Uh, Michigan came in uh, out of the powerful Big Ten, and, and from women's basketball perspective, the Big Ten is very, very strong there as well, too. But uh, they, Michigan was kind of sliding in backwards, but the bottom line is they were just too big, too physical. They made more shots, and UNLV ends up losing the game by 12. Hey, you, you can't hang your head. Nobody wants to make you know an early exit, but what a season they had. I mean, they put UNLV women's basketball you know, in the spotlight, you know, we talked about, you know, the men's side of it, uh, where, you know, we always have high expectations, and we got excited with the start of the season that the men's had, uh, you didn't finish the way we wanted it, but uh, the Lady Rebels, you know, kudos to them, and, uh, you know, that's going to help the program moving forward, I mean, you know, to get recruits when, you know, you start, you know, having runs like that and getting some national exposure. And so let's see if we can build on it. Rough shooting day for the Lady Rebels uh, today. Desiree Young, 5 for 12. Essence Booker, 7 for 21. Um, Brown was 3 for 11. So very rough shooting day as a team today. Uh, they only shot 38%, 23 of 60 shots, and uh, not good from beyond the three-point arc, connecting on 7 of 25, 28%, and playing on the uh, LSU home floor. So it was a neutral site, you know, mm -hmm. Michigan and UNLV playing in Baton Rouge at the, on the court of LSU. So um, Lady Rebels will, will come home probably tomorrow, and uh, it's a, a, a sad day. But, hey, they made it to the tournament. Congratulations on a great season, 31-3. and they won 22 of their last 23 games. Yeah. All right, we come back. We were going to talk to Lon Kruger. He will join us. We'll get his thoughts on the madness. Talk to him from a coaching perspective. Always love talking to Lon. Uh, he will join us next hour. Jay Cornegay, Marco, and I will be breaking down all of the action here for you live at the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. It is a March Madness opening round Friday. Hey, this is Steve Heitner, and lucky you, you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. Ah, uh, that's gold, baby, gold. Welcome back to the Westgate Las Vegas inside the Superbook, and it is March Madness, so uh, you gotta love it here. Yesterday, today, and then uh, right back at it again uh, tomorrow and uh, Sunday as well, too. When uh, we get it down to 32, then the Sweet 16 after uh, Sunday. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house, Jake Cornegay, he's hanging out with us. He's going to be on with us at the uh, top of the hour, and uh, we'll analyze all of the games coming up in the later session here uh, today. But right now, we got to bring in our good friend, the coach, and uh, I know that he's uh, got all the TVs going himself, and uh, he's not actually in the madness on the sidelines, which um, I wonder if he's a little itchy with that. We'll find out. We're talking about the uh, Hall of Fame coach himself, the former, of course, UNLV head coach, Illinois, K-State, uh, Oklahoma, and uh, the list goes off Florida. Did I, did I forget? Texas Pan American. He loves it when I throw that one in there as well, too. Lon Kruger joins us. Lon, how you doing, my friend? Doing great. Well, uh, you'd be happy, Lon, okay? I'm sporting the purple and white today of K-State, okay? Uh, for, for you, and, and I like the Wildcats today. What do you think of that? I like <laughs> That's right. Uh, opening round of the tournament, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts after a wild, crazy first round yesterday and then more craziness today? That's pretty much what everyone uh, was expecting in terms of uh, some upsets uh, the four thirteen games have been uh, really good. Of course, uh, Arizona is a two getting beat. Uh, it seems like it's happening more and more each year. And uh, imagine uh, more excitement tonight and uh, going into the weekend. So, what is an opening round like for a coach? I mean, kind of, kind of take us through that. And uh, I guess the prep, especially for that first game. You know, you go back and you you look at you know the selection Sunday. 
and then you see who your opening round is, and you don't have much time really to prepare for that one, and especially you're going to face someone that you know, you're really not familiar with. Uh, kind of take us through that process. Well, number one, it, it's a nice reward to the players. Uh, you know, you can never take for granted getting the NCAA tournament because it's hard to do. It's hard to win conference games, and uh, earn that uh, NCAA bid is very special. And then you've got uh, three or four days as a coach in, uh, in preparation to help your team get ready for the first-round opponent. Uh, it's different from conference play because it is something new and uh, not as familiar. But uh, great excitement, great enthusiasm, and uh, dealing with uh, a lot of the media interviews, you're dealing uh, with players being excited, families' uh, transportation to the arenas, uh, to the to the sites. So a lot of things going on, and uh, yet it uh, doesn't take away uh, the satisfaction of getting there. Mm-hmm. When you're prepping your team for the beginning of the tournament, that very first game, you know, you especially if you're a higher-seeded team, and you've been in this situation yourself with, with several of your teams, you don't want to be one of those upset specials, okay? You don't want to be on the opposite end of what Virginia went through yesterday or what Arizona went through yesterday. So how do you best handle that uh, in, in, in talking to your team and prepping them, uh, for them before you hit the floor for the opening game? That's really done throughout the year. Uh, you know, coaches talk about uh, playing each presentation like it's the most important one. Each game, not ever overlooking an opponent. Uh, and uh, and I think the key is to do what you've done to get there, especially if you're a higher seed. If you're a lower seed, uh, 14, 15, then perhaps you got to do something different to try to, you know, uh, you know, mess up the game a little bit. But uh, a higher seed especially, do what you did to get there. You've been a good team all year and and uh, stick to your identity and uh, take every possession as uh, significant and uh, play, like you, play like you've done all year. I mean, as a coach, Lon, do you feel that you can really just throw these seeds right out the window? Because when you look at, like, what Kennesaw State did today, I mean, they came in there just more aggressive than Xavier, and then and Xavier felt tense. Uh, they ended up winning the game because Kennesaw State finally kind of ran out of gas and, you know, uh, made one bucket in the, in the last, like, five and a half, six minutes of that game. And the same thing with Arizona. I mean, they, they were playing well, then they went cold in the last four and a half minutes uh, of the game here. So... Just, just kind of, you know, talk about, you know, going through those emotions and facing a team that you know is not scared of you. That you think that maybe they w- they they should be or they will, but they come in with just this tenacity and they they're just playing so loose. While the higher seeded team looks like they're playing very very tight. That's very true. And oftentimes uh, the lower seeded team might be a more veteran team, might be an older team. Guys have been uh, three, four, or five years in a program, but yeah, from a coaching standpoint, you don't you don't talk about the seeds. You don't you don't talk about uh, you know that at all. You, you talk about uh, getting ready to compete and do as well as you can on every position, and uh, and hopefully, uh, as you've done all year, that soaks in uh, to the players and the players handle it well. How difficult is it when you are have the quick turnaround from game one to game two when you're in that region? So for the teams that played yesterday, okay, they got to come back and, and play tomorrow against a, a team more than likely that they're not very familiar with. Uh, talk about the, that that prep, and do you get into the situation where you are looking ahead, you know, prior to that first game, so you can do the scout on them, or or, or talk a little bit about what that time frame is in that 48-hour window from game one to game two. Well, as a head coach, you're, you're preparing only for the game on Thursday, the first-round game. Uh, uh, each assistant's assigned uh, to one of the, you know, each of the two teams that are that are potential you know, opponents in game two. But the head coach, the uh, the players, they aren't thinking about game two at all. It's all uh, it's all on game one, and uh, and then of course it is a quick turnaround, and uh, it's equal for both teams. But that's where you go back to, to play into your strength, you know, sticking to your identity. And again, doing what you've done all year and, uh, you know, having that good foundation. Lon Kruger joins us. Uh, a storied career as a head coach. Been in retirement now for uh, a little over a year. Talk to us about uh, your opening round game experiences, Lon. You get, give me give me a best opening game moment. Do you, do you got one locked in that uh, in that uh, brain of yours? Oh, I don't 
not necessarily one game. Uh, I, they're hard to win. You know, games are hard to win all year long. But especially in the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, the, the the pressure's a little bit different. The uh, the, uh, the intensity's a little bit different. Uh, the fishing's a little bit different. Uh, you know, typically it's a lot more physical game, uh, a lot of contact. Uh, you got to be ready to, to handle all of that. Uh, of course, in the Big 12, uh, it was a very physical game all year long. So that uh, kind of helps with that transition to tournament play. But uh, no, games are hard to win. If you get that first one, you, you feel awfully good. There's only 33 teams left. And of course, if you can get that uh, out of that first weekend, you feel pretty special. Well, I know you've had a lot of opening round wins, and, and we always know as coaches, right, that the the losses, you remember more than those wins. I hate to bring it up, but uh, I, I want to ask you, do, is there a, an opening round loss? Did you ever suffer one of those? And those, the, talk a little bit about that if you can remember. <laughs> I don't know that I recall the specifics, but uh, certainly there were some opening round losses. You know, uh, uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know it's just gut wrenching when when you're you're right there, you know everything's on the line and it goes down to the wire. And you know, uh, we had a we had a final four game uh, against Duke in the semifinals and up 13 early in the second half in the semifinal game, and uh, Grant Hill makes a couple threes, uh, uh, which he hadn't you know shot a lot of threes on the year, but that uh, changed the flow of the game and. Then we uh, we got an offensive foul charge call uh, in the last possession of the game. So uh, those those stick with you for a while, and uh, and uh, yet all of our hearts. Lon Kruger joins us. Uh, so many uh, victories for you in a tournament. You know, uh, taking two teams to a Final Four. Talk a little bit about the key components to winning in this tournament. What what do you really need to focus on as a coach? Like we, we were talking about the prep and everything, but just going through the course of the tournament, uh, what are the key components that is needed to cut down the nets at the end? It starts with having good players. I don't know that anyone advances to the, the Sweet 16 or the Final Four without without really good players. And then you got players that trust each other, players that are that are playing for each other, that are laying on the line for each other, they're taking care of their respective responsibilities, and and uh, you know, just uh, playing with playing with a, a joy and an excitement and enthusiasm. And uh, and typically those teams that advance are feeling pretty good about what they're doing. Lon, talk a little bit about uh, your former uh, programs. I know that we've talked before about that you like to to follow them still. Um, and we mentioned K State; they're they're in action uh, here tonight. Uh, have you got a chance to to, to look at the Wildcats uh, much this year? I did have a chance to, to watch them quite a few times uh, during the course of the year. Uh, Coach Tang, in his first season, uh, you know, they were picked last in preseason polls with the transfer portal. Those uh, preseason polls don't mean too much anymore because you don't know really what the team's going to look like uh, given the uh, all the transfers. But uh, they've done a great job. Yeah, they uh, finished right there, top uh, part of the Big 12, and had uh, some huge wins on the year. And uh, what number three seed going into the NCAA tournament? So uh, Coach Chang and, and the guys have done a great job. Mm. All right, uh, the Mountain West teams. Uh, San Diego State gets a victory yesterday, and the conference has come under a lot of scrutiny for not really winning a game, I believe, since 2018. Four teams were there again this year. Why do you think that that the Mountain West teams have struggled long in the tournament? Well, the opposition's really good. Uh, that's part of it. It's really good to see San Diego State, you know, get that uh, get that win to break the streak, you know, of the conference. Uh, so when you go in, when you go in as a San Diego State, the five seeds, so they're playing the game in which they're favored. But if you go in there as an eight, nine, or, or below lower, then you're obviously playing an opponent that equals uh, with regard to expectations uh, or better. So uh, those, those games are hard. Uh, but getting four teams in last year, getting four teams in again this year, uh, kind of indicates that the Mountain West has probably been as good as it's maybe ever been over these last few years, which is great for the league, and, and hopefully San Diego State can uh, uh, get into that second weekend. Mm-hmm. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house with us here at the Westgate in the Superbook, and Lon Kruger joins us. Yeah, Lon, a uh, question for you, and we talked about that first game to the second game. Me as a handicapper here in Vegas, you know, we're trying to beat the line, and I always do look at coaching, and to me, I felt in game one, 
the coaching edge doesn't come into play as much as it does in game two because game one, you've got three or four days to prepare for your opponent. But when you've got that 48-hour turnaround for a coach that maybe hasn't been there yet or doesn't have the experience, how much of an edge do you think you've had? Because, one, you've been an excellent coach and obviously you've got tons of experience. Did you feel that gave you a leg up going into the, the turnaround game? I always felt good about the second game if, if we had better players than the other guy. <laughs> you know, but the, and it really, that, that's so, there's, there's so much to that. It's about making shots. It's about uh, taking advantage of uh, mismatches. And, uh, and all coaches do a pretty good job of that. So, uh, yeah, we uh, appreciate the kind words, but uh, we usually won games when we had better players. Yeah. Long, we're here at the uh, Superbook uh, with our good friend uh, Jay Cornegay. I know that uh, he's uh, seen you around UNLV uh, quite a bit. Jay, you got a question for Long? <laughs> hey, Coach, how you doing? Uh, uh, Jay, I'm good. How you doing? Good. I saw you over at the uh, Mountain West uh, tournament, and uh, it was great seeing you. Uh, it was a great tournament. We really enjoyed it. I was hoping the Rebels would pull out a, a win or two, but uh, that comeback was epic. It was. Uh, it, it really shows the determination that they really have there. But I'm, I'm going to, Coach, I'm going to go off the rails a little bit here. I know you're local here now. I know you're a stick. I'd like to know what your top three courses are here in town. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there are a lot of good courses in town. You uh-huh. know, I'll, I'll go with the ones that have been supportive of our uh, Coaches versus Cancer event. You know, we do that. This will be the 16th year. We uh, do that. We bring coaches in from around the country, and uh, we play that event at uh, at Southern Highlands and Cascada and uh, Shadow Creek. Now we're adding PPC Sumlin this year, so uh, those four courses, uh, you know, are very supportive, and uh, they've done a great job in uh, in raising uh, dollars uh, in the fight against cancer. Well, that's excellent. Yeah, it's a great cause, and those are great courses, but more importantly, a great cause. Uh, that it totally makes sense. I'm, I'm over at the country club every now and then, so if you ever want to get out there, you let me know. <laughs> we'll do it. We look forward to it. <laughs> See, I'd like to know who's giving whose strokes between oh, uh, Lon and Jay Cornegay here. Who's, who's giving uh, whose strokes? Oh, geez. Coach has given me at least five aside. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right, Lon? That's not, uh, that's not, that's not right at all. Right? <laughs> so, I, I've lost a few bets on the first hole, but uh, we, we, we're not going to lose this one. <laughs> that's great. Uh, speaking of coaches, versus cancer and we always like talking about that when we have a lawn on uh and again that event coming up here uh in in a few months again just uh so great and uh, now that you're you're here lawn does that that does that help you i know you were back and forth before but now that you are you know a, a permanent resident here in las vegas is uh is that is that help you with the preparation and everything for the coaches versus cancer event well, it does to a certain point, for sure. Uh, again, the key to that event, we've got great sponsors. Uh, MGM Grand uh, Resorts, uh, they do a great job. We stay at Park MGM. And the golf courses, of course, are very supportive. Other sponsors, uh, Sanford Health has been our signature sponsor for uh, five or six years now. So that's great. The coaches from around the country come in and, uh, and give their time. They bring their boosters and uh, become kind of a reunion. But, uh, yeah, we raise a lot of dollars. Uh, you know, we have a good time, but we don't lose sight of, the, of why we're here. And that's to raise dollars to give the uh, physicians, the doctors, uh, more, more equipment to, to get the good results. Well, you and Barb uh, are, are great advocates and have done a fantastic job for a number of years now. I know that, uh, that we appreciate it, and everyone here in, in Las Vegas uh, appreciates it. And, again, a lot of benefactors and all the money that you guys have raised uh, over the years, so we appreciate that. Uh, before we let you go, Lon, let's talk about the, the teams that you've been most impressed with during the course of this season. And uh, I don't know if you're filling out a bracket or not, but I, I want to know who's in that Lon Kruger Final Four. <laughs> well, you, you, you got to give uh, you know some credibility to the to the one seeds because they've done a great job all year. I don't think the separation between the ones and the rest of the field is what it might be typically. You know, in, uh, in most years, uh, if all the ones get out of the first round, I'd, I'd be a lo- or the first weekend. You know, that'd be unusual. You know, given uh, the way the, the parity is kind of set in there, but. Uh, I really like what UCLA's done, despite the two injuries. You know, they, I think, played really well down the stretch. Uh, I thought Arizona would go away. Of course, that got disrupted very quickly. So I would say they've been impressive uh, on the year as well. But 
No, I think uh, Houston now dealing with injuries. Uh, uh, Alabama's probably, you know, they got all the distractions. I mean, it seems like there's different things with different teams. Uh, Coach Self at Kansas that uh, are kind of making it more difficult to, to, to you know, I'm, I'm not setting the line, unfortunately, but the people that are doing it, I'm sure they deal with a lot of uh, input that they normally don't have. Mm-hmm. All right. You, you, you got a winner for us? Who, who do you think's cut down the nets? UCLA. I like what they've done. Yeah. I think they're really hardened and they're competitive, and they've uh, you know they've come through the, the injuries and and even though a little short-handed based on what they would like to have, uh, I like what Vic's doing out there. Yeah. All right, Long. We'll let you get back to the games. We greatly appreciate it. We look forward to hopefully talking with you a little bit more during the course of the tournament. But I appreciate you taking time out today. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, All right, there's Long Kruger, the head coach. Uh, the legendary head coach the, in the College Basketball Hall of Fame. And, again, uh, great run here, of course, at UNLV. And then uh, most recently at Oklahoma, uh, just settling into retirement. And those great teams that he had back at Florida and Illinois, K-State. And I'd like to mention where he started there, Texas Pan-American as well, too. nice. See? Got the co- coach is just a great guy. He's always been fantastic to me. And uh, uh, just really appreciate him. And a great coach as well, too. And let's don't forget the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. Throw that in there. <laughs> if I would ask them one more question, it would be how much is it a thrill for him to go to the Thomas and Mack, a school that he coached at, and to watch his son carrying on the torch there. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's got to be special. And, you know, like I said, UNLV, we want to get them back into uh, prominence again. Uh, we got the Re- Lady Rebels there. Let's, you know, hopefully the – the start to the season we had this year will help us uh, next year. So Jay Cornegay in the house here, and uh, Jay will visit with us uh, in the next segment as well, too. But uh, we were talking about the Lady Rebels, and they fell today to, to Michigan. And we saw that uh, there was a, uh, the line on this game was around what, three, three and a half. I believe that Michigan was favored over UNLV. We know that uh, Michigan ended up covering this game. Did you take much action on uh, have you taken much action on that game in the in the lady side of this? You uh, saw some action trickling in on that game more than some of the other uh, you know uh, first round games that we saw on the women's side of things. But uh, you know we don't take a lot of action there. But mm. if you were to look through and just look at the ticket counts, you could see where the UNLV Michigan game kind of popped out a little bit. Yeah. And uh, so the locals are aware of it. People are aware of it around here. Um, I know that's not how they wanted to end, but Michigan played a great game there. I didn't realize they were so big underneath. Yeah. You know, they, they really handled, got, you know, young in trouble, uh, foul trouble uh, relatively early. And, and I was kind of concerned about that because if I was playing against the Lady Rebels, that's what I would try to do. Yeah. You know, their star player down there and get her, uh, you know, playing some defense underneath. And unfortunately, you know, committed a couple of early fouls and, uh, but uh, great season. I, as far as I know, maybe you know, but do they have a majority of those girls coming back? Uh, they have, uh, what, uh, three seniors uh, that they have, but uh, they, they got a good core. And I know that Lindy is really starting to get into that recruiting mode now. She wants to keep the best girls, you know, the high school girls here and this and that. But now, you know, with 31 victories on your resume for this year and then back-to-back tournament appearances, uh, I know she's going to be bringing in some some quality girls as well, too. Okay. So, But they're going to lose a majority of their scoring, you know, from this team. But Young is a junior, right? I believe uh, Young is a junior, I believe. Yes, yeah, yes, I, yes. I think she's a junior. Yep. So yes, yes. Um, they get her back, and uh, we'll see. A little bit more size on, underneath uh, might help them a, a bit, but uh, uh, what a great, terrific season. You can't take that away from them, and uh, hopefully they continue to build up, and, that, and that's what the – you got to give her a lot of credit for building that program up from where it was. Yep. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> what do we got going on? Well, we, Blue we, Jays. We got the Blue Jays. And uh, flirting with that number a little bit there, Jay, or what? Uh, oh. This is the best part of March Madness. <laughs> and, and Jay, it's got to be like this for you guys in the back room all the time. But whenever you're down to the final two minutes of the basketball game and the house is packed, and whether it's a 50-50 split or 60-40, it doesn't matter. When your team makes the bucket, the place erupts. And then... Ten seconds later, they go up the floor, and the, you know, the other side scores, and they are up. You love it when it's coming right down to the wire on a, a point spread. 
which once again, I always give you guys more credit than most people in town. You guys are pretty good at what you do. <laughs> you get these numbers right there uh, that we're sitting here sweating the last minute. Yeah, it is amazing how close they can get. I, I know, and that's what everybody remembers on the close ones. Yeah. The ones that are having, no, I mean, the ones that are decided nowhere near the line, everybody tends to forget. But yeah, we have a, a rule in the back there's no glass or bottles in the back room <laughs> during the tournament. And, uh, wait, that was put in, in line for, for someone specific. Come on, who, who, who's that put in for? Oh, I, I, I need a mirror right now. Yeah, I was, and I was going to say that, too. I was going to lead into that. Could that be that guy right there? Could it be? Uh, no, it's uh, it, you know what? It's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, oh, you just want to win some games, and we know we're not going to, you know, win them all. But, um, you know, it gets a little frustrating when you get, like, we had one guy that had all these parlays yesterday to San Diego State. San Diego State. I'm not sure if you saw the end of that game, but you know they. We were he was, right here broadcasting. He laid, he laid John five, was sitting five, next to five me. Five and a half. Yeah, yeah. and it was just like it, that was a that was a tough one to take because that was a punch in the gut to us because uh, you know yeah it was a it was a pretty you know six, it was a six figure decision for us mm-hmm. you know on, on that uh, foul with 0.7 seconds to go. Uh, so it was a little rough, but uh, I know we win some, we lose some. Hopefully, don't we, you know we win a little bit more than we lose. Pitt <laughs> <laughs> just went final, <laughs> and Marco puts oh. on his. Pit. I, I, I want so Marco's done in the in the Pit Panther uh, gear today, and that hat though I got a feeling that hat is has been through a lot of mileage. That is a new hat because you made fun of my my other hat. When I wore it, I had to go out and get a new pit hat. You that's made a fun new, of me. That's a new hat? That's a new pit panther. Oh, it is a new pit hat. Yeah. Maybe you just don't yeah. know how to wear it. This That's a good-looking hat. i got to say that. No, <laughs> that's, that's upper echelon for you. Yeah. That's, that's good. I like yeah. that hat. Some of us have to actually buy some stuff. We don't get everything tossed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Shots fired, right? Yeah. Okay. Can you can can you tell this is the guy who owes me now three food bets? Oh, three wow. because he he believed in the UNR Wolfpack for some reason on in, in the opening round. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was ugly. I'm I gotta hungry. admit that was when that when I looked over the opening lines, that was the one that line that really stuck out to me. Yeah. It was like one and a half. It opened one and yeah. a half. Yep, I gotta say, I, I laid the one and a half, <laughs> maybe a couple times. Uh, but I was like, no, I because I saw two, that. Two Nevada, of the three guys in this booth did that. That San Jose State <laughs> game, I was like, man, something was wrong with Nevada. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Yeah. All right, Jay Cordigay's in the house. So he's going to join us here next hour as well, too. And we'll start to breaking down the action for the later session as well. Appreciate Lon Kruger joining us this hour. Don't you dare go anywhere. We are live at the world-famous Superbook. No better place to be. The March Madness opening weekend than right here at the Westgate Las Vegas. Mm-hmm.